Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. If it is um, in the day-to-day struggles of life that marriage hasn't delivered what you thought it would be, kind of like Brad and I are sharing here, then if you will be fueled by the Lord, I mean, Christ came to give life, life to the full, not in the easy. Christ's life wasn't easy, and our lives are not going to be easy, but we can have life to the full if we go to Him and say, okay, show me how you want me to love my spouse today. What does that look like to creatively love the person that I've committed till death do us part? And watch what the Lord's going to do. That's Marilyn Rhodes, and she joins us today along with her husband, Brad. This is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller. John, as a husband or a wife, uh, you have a unique opportunity to show love and grace to your spouse. Now, probably your reaction to that comment... (laughs) Tells a lot about where you're at. Oh, gee, I got to do that. Or I'd love to do <laughs> yeah. that. Probably is the first indicator of uh, either a problem or a blessing. Mm-hmm. And today we want to discuss uh, how to tap into the fruit of the Spirit mm-hmm. to apply it to your marriage. Now, you remember that's joy, love, peace, goodness, kindness, mercy, long suffering, patience. And I think marriage demands it all. Mm-hmm. And it's the hardest place sometimes to display. God's fruit in your life. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk about it today because it probably is the exact antidote and the thing that you need to make sure you have a healthy and loving mm-hmm. relationship. And as I said, Brad and Marilyn Rhodes are our guests. They've been here before. Uh, they are co-founders of Grace Marriage, which is a ministry designed to help local churches strengthen marriages in their communities. And uh, today we'll be talking about a book that Brad and Marilyn have written. It's called The Grace Marriage, How the Gospel and Intentionality Transform Your Relationship. Stop by our website for a copy or give us a call. Brad Marilyn, welcome back to Focus on the Family. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's so good to have you. And what a great topic. Uh, Sometimes it feels a little counterintuitive, uh, you know, grace. Yeah, grace is good, but people take advantage of grace. <laughs> you know, you start rationalizing. But man, in marriage, we need really a lot of grace, don't we? Because it's your closest relationship. They see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's. We've all got problems. We've all got issues. We all have struggles. And in marriage, like nobody knows your problems like your spouse. <laughs> I guess that's the point I'm making. Yeah, it's. And so there's no place grace is needed more in human relationships. Not just the problems, but your spouse sees hopefully the godliness that you display, but probably the selfishness you do too, like nobody else, right? Anyway, um, you guys had a kind of a whirlwind uh, romance and quickly married, if I remember the story correctly. So describe that and how did that work out for you in your first year of marriage? Well, it worked about better for me than Marilyn. So it, uh... <laughs> well, let's start with Marilyn. Oh. What was that like? So you're dating. How long did you date? Three and a half months. I and would then... not recommend. Then we were married four months later. Moved to a new town, and I was starting graduate school. He was building a law practice, and the wheels came off. They came <laughs> off before the honeymoon ended. Wouldn't you really? Say? No, <laughs> our first fight was at our reception. About? About I was rude to the photographer. Oh, you were? And he was yes. a family friend. He was kind of done at the end. Yes. We are walking to the car, and he's like, let's just stop and take one more picture. Yeah, just stared him down. So let's just stop. Why don't you just take one more picture? And Seems looked, reasonable. And Mary looked at me like, Oh my goodness, he's rude. That's <laughs> her first picture, but but it was it's so true. I went from her favorite person to least favorite person in about six months. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So were you a little concerned at that point? All of a sudden, you saw the the real man. Not you know, not it wasn't that 
major of a deal at the <laughs> moment, but I was a little embarrassed. But as we got married, I was really concerned because we both, you're talking about what the fruits of the Spirit are and what love is. Well, we're just so naturally self-seeking. Oh, we are. And we're just told that marriage, it should just work. So I expected it to just be easy and work, and he was going to meet my needs, and I was focused on really what I wanted, and he was focused on what he wanted. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a crash course to It really is. And in the book, you describe that first year as being just tumultuous, right? Mm-hmm. And But in some ways, too, it does give you an awareness. So that is a benefit. Because yes. some people go 14, 15, 20 years, and they they think it's not going quite right, but they're not quite sure. I mean, you guys mm-hmm. got the heavy dose of this ain't the way it should work right, <laughs> right at the beginning, Reality right? Quits. So yes. how did what did that look like for you guys to quickly – how old were you at the time you got married? I was 23. Yeah. I was 27. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so boom, you're popping into this thing, and the first year you're going, this is not heaven. Hmm. And for me, I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> I mean, I thought our biggest Welcome problem... Welcome to being a male. Yeah, I, yeah. Thought, I, thought, I thought our biggest problem was her hypersensitivity, and she would just settle down. Yeah. We're okay. Yeah. It's not so bad. So did that become your goal, how to settle her down? Yes. Is that the counsel you would give her? Yeah. Honey, just settle down. I did. In fact, I would use a hand signal and say, Marilyn, just calm Oh, Oh, that's good. Down. How'd yeah, that, that work that, for you? <laughs> you can ask her. <laughs> it did how not did go well. It brought a lot of tears and a lot of frustration. Oh, yeah. and we were. That was... That was just wasn't nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think, you know, so often, and Gene and I have done this, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how do you think the marriage is? And I say, I think nine or 10. And she's like, I think two or three. Mm-hmm. How could that be true? Yes. I am a wonderful person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's often. Did you guys have that kind oh, of exchange? Absolutely. And was and it he, similar in numbers? It would, it would have, we didn't talk about numbers, yeah. but it would have been similar. Like yeah. he's saying, I thought we were fine. I, was completely miserable and lonely and yeah. thought, wow, is this it? So you had a bowling league experience that you described. Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's go to the bowling league. Okay. Uh, this is uh, a perfect picture of our first years. Brad's huge into sports. My family's zero into <laughs> sports. And I married into this very – and he wanted to join a bowling league to help create business for the law practice. And we were listening to a staticky St. Louis Cardinals baseball game on the way – to go bowling, I'm in this horrible, ugly bowling shirt. I'm on a league with all guys. I'm the only girl on our team. There were other girls on other teams. but And then we get there. We, we bowl in the smoke-filled environment. I have to go home and take a shower. We're on our way home, and it's raining outside. We're in a new town, and there's a football game that's going on, and a high school football game. He said, there's a football game. Do you want to go watch it? I said, do I want to go sit in the rain and watch high school kids that I don't even know Smelling like smoke. (laughs) And he said, yeah. And I said, no, I want to go home. (laughs) So he dropped me off at the house and went back and watched the football game by himself in the rain. (laughs) I was was so into building a law practice. And Uh I thought, well, there's no lawyers in the bowling league. I'll meet new clients every single week. I got referrals from that league for 18 years. I mean, (laughs) look at the smile on your face. It was was like a free legal clinic. I would sit there and they'd come from all the other lanes to come ask me questions. I'd just give them cards. And I mean, it was just, I was starting from first scratch and that was so it worked it, from my perspective from, <laughs> from, from her to get business yeah and maryland's good at a lot of things bowling isn't one it of was, them it's okay not, so I'm not worried about that. you know and this is so informative <laughs> for people listening because they might be in the same spot you guys were in and that's what we're going to drive through here the next today and tomorrow <laughs> but in that regard what, what's catching each of your it, well is your attention being caught brad 
I mean, are you going, okay, what's going on here? It's not working as well as I should, given Marilyn's crying like every couple of days and being distraught. How did you how did you pull the stick back in that airplane of emotion and say, okay, we got to land this thing? Well, God just opened my eyes. I mean, I went to a— Was there a day that this happened? There Do you was remember a, it? There was a day I remember vividly. What was the two-by-four that he used to it, get your attention? It, it was Well, I was forced to go to a marriage conference I didn't want to attend, and I— I mean, literally forced. I'll spare the details. But I went. I didn't want to go. I didn't think I needed oh, to go. Oh, you go to the football game, but you won't go to marriage. Okay. Yeah, Fair. Yeah. No, I'm teasing. I'm <laughs> teasing. Don't, don't, you're not teasing because I didn't want to go to the football game. I didn't want to go to the marriage. <laughs> but they, they put up Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. And I was just asked the question, what do you give up for Marilyn? Nothing. I mean, I did what I wanted to do. Basketball leagues, softball leagues, build a law practice. Husbands, you know, live with your wife in an understanding way. I did say, Brad, do you listen to her? Do you just sit and listen to her heart for hours? No. Don't be harsh with your wife. And it's like all of a sudden my sin became HD clear. It might have been when I was saved. I mean, I just remember thinking, I'm doing absolutely nothing right. So I came home to Maryland. I said, look, the only thing that's going to be different is everything. I don't expect you to believe me. I wouldn't believe me. But in five years, you'll know God changed your husband. And our marriage literally experienced a miracle over the weekend. Now, Marilyn had already got to a better spot of sufficiency of Christ. So when that weekend occurred, we instantly went to a new spot in marriage. Well, that's the whole point, right? And it it takes effort. It takes awareness. It takes application of doing it Mm -hmm. differently. And everybody's somewhere on that continuum. I doubt there's a perfect marriage Mm -hmm. uh, because we're not perfect people. We're selfish, as you said earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, Describe what a performance-based marriage looks like. That's the theme of the book. You're talking about grace-based marriage or grace marriage. Mm-hmm. So the opposite of that, I guess, would be the performance-based marriage. Uh, it sounds sophisticated. It sounds professional. It sounds like a graduate class and relationship. But performance-based, what are the adjectives that describe a performance-based marriage? It's conditional. It's if you're kind to me, then I'll be kind to you. You know, in that first right. year when Brad wasn't acting like I wanted him to act or helping me, I just withdrew. I distanced myself from him. I cried. I just felt alone. And I wasn't going to do kind things for him. I really just isolated myself Meryl, in those let, moments. Let's, let's unravel that a little bit. What was happening to you emotionally? Because in some ways you represent wives, obviously. And so you became more isolated. What was happening to you that you like you couldn't express it or you felt like when you expressed it, Brad would just knock it down or didn't receive it. But kind of tease that out a little bit because I'm sure half the audiences or more will be female and they're going, oh, I can identify with Marilyn. That's happening to me right now. Yes. So what what does that look like or feel like? It was an emotional roller coaster because when you're in a performance-based mode, then if things are going well, if he comes home and he doesn't watch sports and he goes on a run with me, then I'm going to be thrilled i'm going to be glad that i got his time but then if he doesn't and he's not thoughtful and just sits in front of espn and collapses until he goes to bed at night then i'm then i'm sad and i'm crying and it was this roller coaster of up and down based on how you're treating me or how you're not treating me yeah so it was a ro- and i'm naturally more of a steady person so the fact that marriage made me this like brad said hypersensitive was the word he used that's crying on a regular basis and and miserable, a lot of that, um, the Lord showed me even before he went to that conference, I'm putting my hope in him. Mm. And 
and my hope's in Christ. And when we come at marriage, like I was saying, in a selfish, self-seeking way, which yeah. is what I was doing, not that he needed to be acting the way he was acting, but when I'm just focused on myself and what I'm going to get rather than, okay, Lord, how are you calling me to love Brad? What are you calling me to in marriage? So we, we both came so selfish. And then when you, when you couple that with this performance approach we have in all of life, it's, it's miserable yeah, and it's lonely. Powerful. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Hey, everybody. On Monday, join me for the newest Refocus with Jim Daly podcast episode with special guest Dr. Frank Turek. Join us as we unpack the difference between cultural tolerance and real love. It is true that, yes, Jesus wants everybody to love one another, but love doesn't mean approval. Love seeks what's best for the other person. Visit refocuswithjimdaily.com for this insightful conversation. Your marriage can be redeemed, even if the fights seem constant, even if there's been an affair, even if you haven't felt close in years. No matter how deep the wounds are, you can take a step toward healing them with a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive. Our biblically-based counseling will help you find the root of your problems and face challenges together. We'll talk with you, pray with you, and help you find out which program will work best. Call us at 1-866-875-2915. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. This is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly, and uh, our guests today are Brad and Marilyn Rhodes. Uh, They've captured a lot of what we're talking about and much, much more in their book, The Grace Marriage, How the Gospel and Intentionality Transform Your Relationship. Look for a copy of this book at our website. That's focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast or call 800, the letter A in the word family. Marilyn, let me ask you the the um, transition of that. And what I mean is intellectually we can get there. We know that if we are not self-seeking, if we're looking for the best in our spouse, um, we understand the Lord wants that expectation from us, etc. But then translating that emotionally so that it's real and true. I I find most people struggle there because we're sitting in church, we're hearing what to do and how to do it, and we can regurgitate it. We could say, yeah, you know, I'm treating my husband in a godly way. But sometimes that doesn't translate emotionally. Intellectually it does, but emotionally it doesn't. So how, how did you connect those thoughts to say, yeah, I'm really going to lay my life down. I'm really going to um, try to see Brad differently. And this one's coming to you too, Brad, so start mm-hmm. thinking about it. It was an aha moment for me because I really was to the point I was just, I thought, is this it, Lord? This is what marriage is? And that's when I almost audibly heard him say, you have put him in the place of me. Yeah. I'm your hope, not your marriage. And the whole fuel to emotionally getting there because intellectually we can and we know this, but we have to be reminded daily, but in that, filled up in the spirit. I mean, it is, it, it's still a reminder daily yeah. to go to the Lord and spend time with him and, and be reminded that that's what I'm to offer to my spouse and to everybody that he places in my path is to lay down my life for another. Yeah. And so 
emotionally, the only way you can get there is by the help of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, Brad, on your side now, coming your direction, uh, you have to sit and listen to these things <laughs> being said about you, but you're the husband. How, how about you in that performance-based marriage? Where were you falling short? And Well, one, I wasn't pursuing a great marriage at all. You know, I was – when Marilyn came at me about something, I wasn't responsive to her. I was just took offense that she didn't appreciate me. She didn't do this, and you know, I was conditioning my love as well. And I watched Marilyn when she realized that Jesus Christ is sufficient. Mm. I mean, He is enough. And Marilyn said, "He's enough for me. It's not Him plus you, and I'm okay. It's Him, and I'm okay." So it wasn't that she quit striving for a good marriage, quit addressing issues with me. It's just she went to a stable place on the rock of Jesus Christ so that our marriage stabilized. Now, it didn't get good yet because I was still in the marriage. It, I mean, it got steady, but when the Lord broke me is when it went – we went from bad to steady to great. Yeah, and that's such a great way to describe that. The uh, grace-based marriage is the goal. That's obviously the point of the grace marriage book. So you're moving from this performance conditional orientation. What are the tiles that get laid on your path that begin to create a grace marriage? Well, it's Romans six fourteen says, Sin will have no dominion over you because you're under grace, not law. So it says, Sin won't be your master, won't control you because you're under grace, not law. So in a marriage, sin will have no dominion or control over marriage if it's under grace. Huh. It's not sin has no control because you both graduate to such great spouses Life's too hard for that. Mm. Just too much comes at us for us to be consistent all the time. But when love's just given as a free gift of grace, Marilyn's kind to me. Marilyn pursues me. She's generous with me. She's all these things. It's not because I'm impressive. It's just she— That you deserve it. Oh, no, I don't yeah. at all. Mm. She just gives it to me as a free gift of grace. But think about what we receive from God. It wasn't like he looked down and said, wow, look at Brad and Jim. They're so impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to give them some— Grace and good stuff. No, you're singing Gene's music. Here. Yeah, it's, it's, he says, "While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us." And it says, "How are we supposed to love one another like that?" While you know, while Marilyn's led a sinner, I'm to die for her. While I'm a sinner, yeah. Marilyn's to die for me. Why? Because our marriage is so much bigger than just us having more happy. Our marriage is about bringing God glory and putting Jesus Christ on display. Yeah, you know, you guys are in it. We're in it here at Focus on the Family, the marriage battle, if we want to use that terminology, but. I mean, when you think about it, look at all the metaphors that Jesus himself used about the bride and the bridegroom, mm -hmm. the marriage. There's something powerful there about marriage and the illustration that it is for our spiritual journey that God is using these illustrations so powerfully, right? Have you thought about that? I mean, this is amazing. Oh, it really is. And the, the, the sad thing is God created marriage, and it's the most beautiful thing. I mean, it is a great gig. I mean, other than my relationship with Jesus, the most fun I have in life is with Marilyn. You do life with your very best friend, get to date and enjoy one another. Then most people just get dominated by cell phones and the busyness of life and miss out on the gift God gave them. And then that analogy, husband, wife, Christ, and the church, it's almost a turnoff to the gospel as opposed to an attractional magnetic force to the gospel. Mm. No, that's true. Marilyn, you mentioned in the book this idea of rescue mentality mm -hmm. in your marriage. It sounds great. What does it mean? Well, I mean, this is another where you take the verse, yet while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. He rescued us. Hmm. And while Brad's a sinner and I'm a sinner, we lay down our lives for one another. So when we're struggling, because like Brad's, life's hard. It throws a lot of tough things at us. And then you, you bring to the table our flesh, 
that naturally wants to rise at times that we it's when you have a rescue mentality and you have a grace mentality you get over things so much faster because it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. It doesn't give a jerk license. You were asking earlier, does this give someone a free pass when I went to Brad and shared my hope is in Christ? It it really, I think it's more exposing of sin when you have a kind response. Mm-hmm. I know when Brad's come in and I'm with the kids and especially when they were little and I had it up to my eyeballs with kids and I'm short and I'm throwing a baby at him and, and maybe not... <laughs> talking to another child like I should I I can remember a specific time I really was I was blowing it at the house and Brad walked in and kind of looked around and he just jumped in and started helping and he grabbed one of the kids that was on my every nerve and took him for a walk around the block Mm. well that just left me to deal with myself they came back in I apologized to both of them Mm. but if he had come in and said Marilyn you know you need to do this I my response would have been you have no idea Right. You haven't been here. And that would have just escalated my struggle, and I probably would have defended myself and not felt felt repentant right. for it. Right. Well, it would have made you resentful. Right. That's what that does. Right. You know? But instead, I was left to, to see my sin was exposed before me in that rescue approach. And, you know, in that way, you're giving a great example of a grace marriage when you come in and say, okay, what do I need to help? you do or just do it without even asking um, that's awesome uh, where do you think with the couples that you interact with to help them along this journey where are the majority of couples failing they take offense at the manifestation of the struggle and withdrawal as opposed to having a posture of pursuit and rescue I mean it's natural when somebody doesn't act great to want to withdraw from them but we're in a gospel of pursuit yeah. I mean just and i just give you a, a real tangible example. When I was in the law practice, just the law got the better of me. Anxiety, couldn't sleep, had a case I thought I'd messed up, and I was just working around the clock. I was cold. I was distant. I was anxious. I knew I shouldn't be any of those things. But I was like, Lord, give me peace. I couldn't find it. Lord, mm. take anxiety away from me. I couldn't find it. But Marilyn is kind to me throughout that process. I come home one day, and she's sobbing. I'm like, what's wrong? She's I'm just worried about you. I've been praying for you all afternoon. So so what if she takes a different approach? Brad, would you quit being cold? Would you quit being distant? Would you quit being anxious? Would you handle life better? Oh, oh that's my problem. I'll just handle life better. You know, it's, so it's just grace. It's really our only answer because when we really try to change the behavior of our spouse through repeated verbal efforts, how effective is that? Well, I, I appreciate that. That's kind of what I'm dancing around when I say moving from an intellectual understanding to an emotional standing. That, that really is what I'm saying because – it's difficult to actually do grace. Mm-hmm. It's easy to understand its application, mm-hmm. but it is hard for us as selfish creatures to actually put mm-hmm. into play grace. And more initially than over time, because the more you practice it, we have a concept called red light in the dash. When your spouse, you can tell they're doing poorly or red lights up on their dash yeah. and they need care. So it's become a lot more natural for Marilyn and I over time that when Marilyn sees me doing poorly for her to try to help me instead of just getting frustrated at me. So, and frankly, grace is hard, but the alternative is harder. I mean, huh. couples that come to me in crisis counsel and they just can't stand each other and they say, well, grace is hard. I'm like, with all due respect, what you're doing looks a little harder. Huh. I said, it is difficult in the short run, but in the long run, it creates a new atmosphere and it builds your relationship on the rock and the forgiveness of Jesus, not in the inconsistency of the behavior of man. 
you know, at the end of this first day, and we want you to come back tomorrow, we'll keep the conversation going, uh, really to help couples do a better job. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, marriage is under fire today. Mm-hmm. It, 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 we are getting inundated with negative messaging about marriage. And uh, we here at Focus on the Family, I know you too, uh, want to build up the institution of marriage because it is God's design. And when it works, it works beautifully. And it brings such uh, peace not only to your family, but your community and everything else. Think if marriages generally were going really well. This world would be a different place. Mm -hmm. And that excites me. That's why I put my effort into it. I know it's your cause as well. But I'm thinking of that couple that is back in year one of your marriage. That's Mm -hmm. what they're living. And she's going, oh, my gosh, Marilyn, I so identify with where you were at. And I'm struggling. what can they do to move out of that performance-based marriage into a grace-based marriage today to begin that process? What At the end of day one here, what would you recommend? I mean, we're going to offer the book, but what are you saying they need to do? You're just pursue the Lord first and just ask Him what He's what He's calling you to. Start with yourself is the first place to start because we're so naturally focused on what we're wanting from the other. Yeah, that's very true. Anything to add, Brad? I just totally agree with Marilyn. When, <laughs> I, when I sit with the Lord, you know, it, He shifts the, my attention off of me onto loving others. So it's we love because He first loved us. So rest in His delight. You're an adopted son or daughter of Christ if you're in Him, and then live out of that confidence, fully loved, so then you can love others. It's a good start. Let's come back next time and keep it going. Can we do it? Sounds great. All right. Uh, Let me turn to the listener. We're here for you at Focus on the Family. Our goal is to equip you by giving you great resources, opportunity. We have Hope Restored, which is our marriage intensive program. It's an incredible program. I mean, four out of five couples, two years after that experience, will still be married and doing much better and have greater satisfaction in their marriage. So it starts the process. And about half of those have signed divorce papers. So it's an amazing save rate, if I could call it that, that really does equip the couple's Uh, to do marriage far better than they have been doing it, obviously. So if that is something that you need to look at, give us a call. We'll give you the information and talk with you more about it. But at the very least, the Grace Marriage Book, uh, we want to make that available to you. If you can make a donation of any amount, uh, do that, and we'll send it as our way of saying thank you. If you can't afford to, we'll trust others. We'll cover the cost of doing that ministry. And uh, just let us know you need the book, and we'll get it into your hands. Mm As Jim said, uh, encouraging marriages is a passion here at Focus on the Family, and let us know how we can help you. Uh, our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast, where you'll find all the details about Hope Restored and about this great book, The Grace Marriage, uh, and also ways to donate to the ministry. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we continue the conversation with Brad and Marilyn and once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. Boost your marriage with advice, heartwarming stories, and more by listening to Season 7 of the Loving Well Podcast from Focus on the Family. 
I'm Erin Smalley, and I host this podcast with my husband, Dr. Greg Smalley. Join us as we chat about how to make time for each other, fun ideas for Valentine's Day, and what makes a marriage great. Listen to Loving Well on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it says, how are we supposed to love one another like that? While, you know, while Marilyn's not a sinner, I'm to die for her. While I'm a sinner, Marilyn's to die for me. Why? Because our marriage is so much bigger than just us having more happy. Our marriage is about bringing God glory and putting Jesus Christ on display. Yeah. Well, that's Brad Rhodes, and he's our guest today on Focus on the Family, along with his wife, Marilyn. And uh, we're so glad you've joined us. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, we had a great discussion last time. If people missed it, they can uh, get the smartphone app and listen to it that way or go to the website for Focus on the Family. You give all those details. YouTube, we have it there as well. So go listen to it. It really, uh, to me, it was very insightful about where many marriages are at today. We come in very selfishly, even as the Christian community, because we're born into sin. Mm -hmm. And uh, we come into this with expectations, and we end up in performance-based marriages that are conditional rather than grace marriages, uh, which are, you know, the the Lord's way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just looking forward to part two of this discussion about the grace marriage. Yeah, and Brad and Marilyn Rhodes have such a big heart for this effort to protect and improve and transform marriages. Uh, They started a ministry designed to help local churches strengthen marriages right there in their own communities. That's called Grace Marriage, and they have a book with a similar title, The Grace Marriage, How the Gospel and Intentionality Transform Your Relationship. And uh, as you said, Jim, they shared some great stories last time. And uh, if you missed any of that or want to learn more about the book, give us a call, 800, the letter A in the word family, or uh, stop by our website, that's Focus on the Family, dot com slash broadcast. Brad Marilyn, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So good to have you back. Marilyn, let's go your direction just for the recap. Uh, You know, we did talk about the performance-based conditional marriage and then grace marriage. Uh, Give us that performance recap. What does that look like so that the listener or the viewer can feel it if they're in it? Yes. Well, in a performance-based, if Brad's kind to me, and responsive to me, then I'll be kind to him, and we'll have a good evening together. But if not, then I'm going to withdraw, distance myself. We all bring our personalities to the table. Some might lash out and fight, but we we bring that to the table in a performance-based marriage. But in a grace-based marriage, when Brad walks in and maybe he's not as kind to me, I think, whoa, he's had a tough day. I'm going to take that rescue approach and move towards him rather than that natural response to move away from. Even remind myself of verses like, well, I was a sinner, Christ died for me. Okay, and right now, I'm going to lay down my life for my spouse. It's humility. Humility is the whole key. I mean, Christ was the ultimate servant. And that's that's a good good recap. You know, we have Hope Restored, which is a marriage intensive. It's been really successful. We're expanding it. We just... Uh, have property developing in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, and then down in Texas. We have Branson and Michigan already up and running, and we lease a building out there in uh, Rome, Georgia. So uh, a lot of couples are looking for help. And the reason I'm bringing this up is there's a question that they ask in the intake process, and that is, do you believe God can work a miracle in your marriage? And if, if they say yes, then that gives us great hope that 
there's um, the possibility of saving that marriage. If they say no, the probability is quite low. But usually the wife will say something like this, Marilyn, and I think you can identify. Yeah, the the Lord's the only one that can help my husband because nobody else would be able to. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. But it, you resonate with that statement. Yes. And, yes. You know, just the, yeah, God's the only one that's going to be able to change his heart because he's such a rascal. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that's right. But God is a God of reconciliation. And marriage is the opportunity to put that on display. Do you know, let me ask you, Brad, you think about marriage today, if marriage, especially Christian marriage, was working really well, not perfectly, but really well, if we were doing the things that you talk about in your book, The Grace Marriage, if we were living from a fruit of the spirit mentality in our marriages, loving each other well, it should be so attractive the world be going, what do they possess that? Mm-hmm. That we don't have because I want a marriage like theirs. That's the way it should be going. Yeah, it's it's powerful. It's how we got in marriage ministry. By God's kindness, we like being married. In the first couple at SSD premarital, we said, why us? They said, we want what you have. That looks fun. And right now, the way we do marriage in our culture, it is broken. We don't spend time on it. We don't work on it. We let life take us over, and then we scratch our heads why it doesn't work. So we need a total paradigm shift in how marriage is done. So when you get married, you talk every day. You date weekly. You both open about issues with one another and say, look, we are a team, and we're going to live out a beautiful marriage for our good, the glory of God, and our family. And then your point there to work on it, that's the key. I mean, you got like anything, you got to work at it every day. Yeah, and it's fun work. I mean, like work is going to dinner and a movie and hanging out with Marilyn, you know, going to walk the river three miles with my best friend. I mean, marriage work's the best work I do because I love spending time with Marilyn. Is it always perfect? No. Do we always get along? No. But would I rather spend time with her than anybody else in the world? Yes. No, that's good. And I think that attitude is so good. Uh, When it comes to marriage, why do we need to ground our identity in Christ? We touched on that last time, but I want to come back for the new listeners and viewers today. I mean, it is so critical because I think of the expectations that we ground ourselves in our identity with the Lord rather than our spouse, expecting our spouse to meet all these needs. But elaborate on that. Jesus is consistent and reliable 100% of the time. (laughs) I'm not even close. A lot of times Marilyn needs me, and I'm not there like I should. A lot of times I feel like I need Marilyn, and she's struggling not there like I need her. But if unless we are relying on Jesus Christ for all our hope, our marriage is going to be on a roller coaster. Because... I'd like to be the perfect husband. Marilyn would love to be the perfect wife, but neither one of us are. But Jesus is the perfect lover of our soul, and he's consistent 100% of the time. So our identity and our fulfillment has to come in from him, and then out of that overflow, love Marilyn, and just see the gift of marriage as a blessing. And tell me the byproduct of that, Marilyn. When we have our identity in Christ, how does that translate into our attitude, expectations of our spouse? I think it... It brings a whole freedom to your marriage that you don't have when you're under performance because that's heavy. If you're weighing, am I doing enough? If you're measuring yourself, we also have to get this, how we have grace from Christ to be able to then offer it to our spouse. But it changes the whole atmosphere in the home when you get grace. It did in ours. Mm. And it also allows you to get over things so much faster. Mm. You can have a bad night and laugh about it the next day. Mm. And so... That is the beauty of grace. We're not holding our sin against each other. We're not 
it's not a jerk license that I'm going to just sit here and offer grace and you can do whatever you want. That's not what grace is. But in the day-to-day life, when you are in a grace mentality, it it just changes. Yeah, everything. it changes attitude. It changes, changes outcomes because of it. You have a friend, Doug, that made an impact on you. What did Doug share with you that kind of got your attention? Well, it was really interesting. I was 43. He was 68. I was driven. I was performance-based in my walk with the Lord and everything. And he said, God told me to save you 25 years of trouble. <laughs> he said, because I see somebody striving, pressured, always trying to do more, always trying to do better. And I'm not going to leave you alone until you rest in Jesus Christ, until you just enjoy the Sabbath rest of Jesus, until you realize you're just unconditionally accepted and can offer that to others. Wow. And he, he went after me. He called me a moral narcissist, told me I used the Bible as a self-help guide. I mean, he, he stayed with me until when then all of a sudden it's for freedom. Christ set us free. Easy burden, light yoke, rested souls, Sabbath rest of Christ. All of a sudden... That became a reality. It's almost mm. like I heard God say, Brad, you're not okay, and it's okay. I love you. You're my son. I was like, for the first time, I feel like I just breathe. Mm. And when, when that happened, it changed the atmosphere of our home and took our marriage to a new place. Wow, that's powerful. <laughs> I mean, I, everybody listening is to go, okay, I want that. Yes. And I saw it in him. Like, I, when I walked with him, it's like walking with the peace of Christ. He wasn't pressured. He wasn't rushed. He said, Brad, let me simplify the gospel. Just love the person in front of you and love them well. Did you guys, I mean, it sounds almost like it was simultaneous for you that you both were arriving at this place kind of together. What about the spousal situation where one of them is, you know, strongly putting their identity, their hope, their faith, their trust in the Lord, and they're coming at it in a rescue mentality like you've described, Marilyn? And the other is not moving quite the same way. How do you how do you counsel couples that are in that spot? Right, that's really tough, and we counsel with people like that a lot. So in our first year, um, God really showed me my hope was in Him, and then Brad went to a conference not long after. It was later on our walk that we really got grace, and Brad got grace before me. And watching him has really get grace practically and how it changed the atmosphere in our home, God worked on me through that. So really, he got, when Doug helped him see what that looks like in action, it was a while of me watching and God moving that in me. But we talked to couples, they've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah. That's hard. Right. Well, and your heart gets cold. mm -hmm. It like puts more crust on the heart, so Mm -hmm. it takes more effort. Right. So that's why you guys, to get this in the first year of marriage is actually quite a blessing. Yes. For those that are 20 years in, right. they got to do a lot of groundwork yes. to break that crusty heart And up. it's still just going to the Lord. That's the yeah. only place that we can then come with a humble spirit, seeking to serve rather than be served. That's the only way to be fueled, yeah. especially in that environment. Let's introduce now that idea of intentionality. We haven't talked about that, but uh, you know the need to be intentional in your marriage. You've referenced it, Brad. You, know, you need to be committed. You need to work at it. But it is that word intentionality is quite accurate. But describe it. Fill it in. Uh, why are we lazy about it? Well, 
like Marilyn said earlier, we just think our marriage should just work. We have this emotion that just drives us toward one another, and it just should just go well. And that's not the way anything goes. Your your car doesn't go well unless you maintain it consistently. A garden, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, the probably the best thing we've done for our marriage, other than staying close to Christ, is we go on a date once a week, and we have for the last 26 years. Yeah. And intentionality is just saying, look, we're going to have a good marriage. We're going to fight for it. We're going to stiff arm the world. We're going to make time for it. We're going to do marriage differently than the world does marriage, and we're going to experience marriage differently than the world experiences marriage. But it takes intentionality. Folks in the family doesn't do these great things just by accident. Mm. A lot of work goes into it. And Marilyn and I's enjoyment of one another, it's because we, we make ourselves talk. We make ourselves spend time together, and we're intentional with it. Now, let me ask you this, especially for guys, if I could point to our direction, the guys that are listening. If that intentionality is not present, what does that, pro- that mental process look like for the guy? It's the career. It's staying late at the office. It's you should respect me because I'm providing – I'm kind of filling in those blanks, but is that what what you usually see in the defensive husband? Yeah, absolutely. And I heard one author, I'm not sure which one, that said, if anything comes ahead of your marriage other than Jesus, your marriage will slowly die. And whether that's work, whether that's ministry, whether that's exercise, you know, God designed marriage as the most important horizontal relationship. For us, when we got married, the law practice came ahead of Maryland. And how'd that go for me? Mm. Poor. So the thing is putting your marriage where it belongs and giving your marriage off the top time. We're basically, we're going to schedule our life around our marriage, not our marriage around our life. Because most marriages just get fatigued leftovers and they wonder why they struggle so much to enjoy one another. But if you say, look, my marriage is important. I'm going to time block time and just spend time with and enjoy my spouse over time you'll find yourself wanting to spend time there marilyn let me let me cut a little closer to the issue with kids Mm -hmm. because one of the things we talk about is maintaining a marriage-centric marriage Mm -hmm. as opposed to a kid-centric marriage and people go oh yeah yeah but it's hard to do oh we're in a child-centered culture. Yeah, and, 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 and the demand is high. The demand is high, and we have five children, so we've experienced that. I mean, there are times that going on a date felt like climbing a mountain to get out the door. Like, I was in tears, and I'm thinking, this is so hard. But our marriage is it's important, and it's worth it. And one of the best things I can do for our kids is love their dad well. Mm. It's okay for our kids if we miss an event. That's actually a good example to them if they say, hey, my parents, they love each other, and this is our priority. Yeah. No, That's, it's good. I think it's great. But it so, is intentionality. I'm going to keep is. punching that word. Right, and it's hard. It's hard, and there are dates that aren't great. And we've had stretches through crisis where um, it's yeah. not been fun. <laughs> yeah. the, the, it's like our relationship with Christ. Not every time we walk away from a quiet time do we feel like this great benefit. But over the long haul, if yeah, I'm pursuing the, the Lord for 20 years – our relationship's getting sweeter and sweeter. And so I even say a bad date's better than no date at all because you're in pursuit of your spouse. And and the lack of intentionality is what has resulted largely in the decline of marriage. Mm -hmm. There's a lack of intentionality in the church. We're according to communion of 72% of churches have no marriage ministry. Then there's a lack of intentionality with marriage in the home. So if you don't intentionally take care of something, you leave a space open, Satan's going to have a field day in it. And we've just watched it, and it's been tragic. But the good news is it can change. Every church can have a marriage ministry, and it can become standard operating procedure for marriages to date and to talk and to enjoy and to pursue. This is just how you do it when you get married. 
Yeah, yeah, it was not good. It was not good, and it you was. You were in, proud of it until you got oh, to the parking lot. Oh, we had pe- <laughs> we had people drive in. Nothing Maryland likes less than to put anybody out. So people driving in from three hours to her oh. party, it was just like putting her through an evening of pain and torture. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so yeah, that feeling was like, oh my goodness. He never gave me another one, thankfully. Even when I turned 50, I'm like, you know the drill here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, Don't do, do that. It's yeah, so funny. But it, but it points to knowing your spouse well yeah. uh-huh. and uh, to not do the things that would make them uncomfortable. And it's yes. trial and error. You don't get discouraged. So okay. just keep trying. Yeah. Okay. So here's my dilemma. And Jean's, she listens to every show. So I know she's listening right now. <laughs> but, you know, so. I thought about the girl. She has two girlfriends from elementary school, and they see each other once or twice a year. And so those two friends wanted to surprise her and come out to Colorado Springs. She hates surprises. And I know this. So now I have too much knowledge because I know Mm. these two girls. They've called me and said, hey, are you guys going to be in town on this weekend? And we'd like to fly out and swoop Jean out of the house. And I was in a pickle. (laughs) <laughs> so I did spill the beans. And they had a wonderful weekend together, but I knew it would be far better if they showed up without without her knowing. She would have been, what were you all thinking? Probably like you. Yes. Very practical. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be packed before they show up, right? No, it's all good. Uh, how do we love our spouses through knowledge and action like that? We're talking about it, but be maybe elaborate a bit more on that. Love and action, love and action. Yeah, it's just paying attention. I mean, you have an opportunity to be an expert lover of your spouse because, like, I'm with Marilyn every single day. And if I pay close attention, I know exactly what she likes, what she doesn't like, and then have an opportunity to hit the target well. So if you grow in knowledge and then you act on it, it's amazing what it does for a marriage and how it puts the love of Christ on display. A lot of us just settle into this norm we can tolerate and don't take advantage of the opportunity to really learn, and it's unfortunate. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. God wants true disciples, ones that think like Him, talk like Him, walk like Him, disciples that bring shalom to the chaos of this world. Pursue that path with the RVL Discipleship Series. Bible scholar Ray Vanderlaan will give you the tools to understand the Bible more deeply and inspire you to be a passionate follower of Christ. Watch the first episode at rvldiscipleship.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Crisis in uh, grace can be an issue, and I believe your one of your daughters had a, a health scare. What happened, and how did that put your grace marriage into focus? Yes, one of our daughters had a grand mal seizure. I mm. thought she was dying in my arms. It was um, the end of her fifth grade year, and I had never seen yeah, that's one an experience. before. Yeah, and so it was it was intense. At the time, we also had a newborn. And another one of our children I was just learning had issues in school. Uh, so we're going through testing and having things done. And it undid me. Yeah, I, I was sleeping with my daughter and my phone in my hand in case I needed to call 911 again. Mm. And it, we weren't getting clear answers as to what caused it or a clear diagnosis. And that was a crisis year. And I was a mess. And talk about crying is a, this is a theme here. You can tell I, I'm one with tears. <laughs> but we went on a, a date every week. And 
I was trying to hold it together in front of all the kids, but we would walk out the door and the tears would just start rolling. Those weren't fun dates, but they were, um, Brad in that year, he really listened and tried to love me and I did not have anything to offer. Mm. I was depressed. I was anxious. I would go on run. I mean, I literally, my just near panic attacks and it was it it was all i could do to get through the day yeah and And i so appreciate that boldness of just sharing that because i can hear couples who are struggling with external things that mm -hmm. deeply affect them and they're going oh this all sounds great it's nice that you guys have that wonderful marriage but you don't know what we're dealing with Mm -hmm. so that i mean that's real Mm mm-hmm it was intense, and we've had a few different years where life has thrown hard things like that. But that year, about a year in, I, I, the Lord lifted the clouds, and I called Brad, and I said, I'm actually happy today. I forgot what happy felt wow. like. And I said, thank you that you just loved me and didn't tell me all the things I should be doing. Because he could have told me, you need to be in the Word more. You need to have more faith. You need to be praying more. You're you're getting up late. Like, the kids are walking in to wake him home. You need to get out of bed. We have to go to school. Yeah. Like, it wasn't pretty well-oiled machine mornings and I'm getting ready for school with five yeah. kids when I'm depressed. And I said, if you had told me all those things I needed to do, you would have been right, and it would have buried me. But you just loving me and seeking to serve helped me out of the pit. I mean, the Lord used him to help me out of the pit rather than make me feel condemned in it. Well, that's so powerful. How did you in that environment – I mean, it was a year, you said, right, before you felt kind of getting back to normal. Mm -hmm. How how do you keep your hope and your eye on the idea that it will get better? Because it must feel like it will never get better. Right. I don't know that I – felt like it was going to get better. I just was so overwhelmed. It's just slowly um, the Lord helped me out of that. Well, back to intentional consistency, I would add. Brad, were there moments where you wondered, is this the way it's going to be? Yeah, we didn't have any reason to believe it was ever going to get better. How do you you maintain during that? It's just, I love Marilyn. And I really thought, I, I want to be the guy to help her. Mm-hmm. I want to be that dude. So I really considered it a privilege, not a burden. I mean, she had nothing to give me. And that's back to the grace base. If it's a performance-based marriage where it's, well, I, I'm not getting anything, it, it's going to break down. And every marriage hits that crisis point where one of the two spouses get to a point where they're just at the end of themselves and have nothing to give. Mm-hmm. So I'm in, I, I remember thinking, I'm in till death do his part. And I, I love Marilyn not because what I get from Marilyn. I just love Marilyn. And I know Marilyn doesn't love me because she gets from me because there's stretches. She doesn't get much from me. But she just loves me. And that's the beauty of the gospel. God just loves Brad. Hmm. God just loves Marilyn. And it says, hey, love each other like I love you. So why do we struggle feeling that, even with the Lord? Well, I think a couple of things. One, we're kind of taught the lie somehow this world's going to satisfy us. And it's, it's like pouring water through a net. You know, so we set marriages up for failure because we ask for things that can never give. Only Jesus Christ can truly satisfy me. And even though sometimes it doesn't feel like God's coming through, you know, because like when I was in that point of severe anxiety, I know God is true and He and He is bigger than my emotion. He is mm. bigger than my emotion. I have to live on truth, not emotion. 
We're right at the end. I think, Marilyn, it's the right to throw this question your direction because so many women are struggling. I mean, men struggle too, but we tend to have, I don't know, a little more tolerance. We're not as, um, we don't require quite the emotional maybe. We, we have other needs. Mm-hmm. But so many women struggle in the marriage. The isolation, the loneliness, is this ever going to get better? Mm-hmm. What's happening? So let me give you that opportunity to speak to the troubled wife who is in the pit of despair, who doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. What hope do you have for her today? I would say seek help. Seek out help. I did have someone who was pouring into me during that year who was loving on me and counseling me. So get help. You know, Brad and I have, when we've been in harder spaces, sought outside counsel. It's so important. And like you said, hope restored. It's so important to acknowledge that you have needs and you need help, especially Mm. if you're in that place. If it is um, in the day-to-day struggles of life, but marriage hasn't delivered what you thought it would be, kind of like Brad and I are sharing here, there's not the huge issues that need to be addressed, then if you will be fueled by the Lord, I mean, Christ came to give life, life to the full, not in the easy. Christ's life wasn't easy. And our lives are not going to be easy, but we can have life to the full if we go to him and say, okay, show me how you want me to love my spouse today. What does that look like to creatively love the person that I've committed till death do us part? And watch what the Lord's going to do. That's a great challenge to wake up every morning and say that Mm -hmm. to yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, in your quiet time with the Lord. Well, this has been great. Brad and Marilyn, how wonderful. I so appreciate your, again, your vulnerability. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of tough to talk about marriage and what was happening years ago and how far you've come, but it's what many of us live, you know, if not all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're either in that early stage of we're in trouble or the better stage of the Lord has answered our prayers mm-hmm. and everything in between. So thanks for being here today. I hope you will get a copy of this great book, The Grace Marriage, especially if you're struggling. Uh, we want to put this into your hands. So if you can make a donation of any amount, we'll send the book as our way of saying thank you. Uh, if you're a pastor, consider what Brad said a moment ago. Maybe you should start a marriage ministry, and maybe those around you should actually assist you in doing that so it's not one more thing on your plate. But let your church be a pro marriage church and talk about things and do the workshops, help equip people to have the best marriage they can have. And I think if a church concentrate on that, they're going to have new attendees coming all the time because people want a good marriage, even non-believers. That's what they're hoping for, and they just need to be equipped spiritually to do that. So hopefully it's a win-win-win, right? Mm -hmm. So get a copy of the book. Get a hold of us. If you can do that monthly, that's great. And uh, if you need Hope Restored, give us a call, and we can give you more details. Yeah, we'll link over to Brad and Marilyn's ministry so you can learn more about what they've been doing with churches. And certainly we welcome your donations and uh, requests for uh, this book, The Grace Marriage. And we'd be more than happy to tell you about our Hope Restored Marriage Intensives. We're a phone call away. It's 800, the letter A in the word family, uh, 800-232-6459. Or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast for all the details. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. 
Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.